On that last category, I wonder if this notion of working with AI is a new competency in the 21st century. It's not like working with a hammer or an Excel spreadsheet, but in and by itself, working with a system that adapts to you, that personalizes its own functioning to you, whether or not it's a new skill. It's a new skill that we have to put much more effort in developing either in the general population or in our schools. I mean, if indeed that report that I mentioned in the introduction is correct, more than 800 million jobs are going to be displaced. doesn't mean they're going to be eliminated, but they're going to change as a result of the introduction of AI, at least change, if not more. Are those new skills? And if these are skills, do we know how to train them? I'll start with you, Fred, because this is really your domain, but I would love to hear also from Mike and Greg about that. Yeah, thank you. I don't think it's that new, but it may be different. And I think early on in the conversation, you know, Mike used the term other intelligences. And so if we think broadly, already today, we all work with other intelligences. And the examples we just went through kind of are on some kind of a continuum from pretty sophisticated to not very sophisticated. And I think that the key from the human perspective is that we must be, quote-unquote, adaptable or agile. And a lot of our sponsors talk about this and have talked about it for years. And so I'm not sure if it's a new competency, but it is something that I think will stress the competencies of critical thinking, problem-solving, etc. And we need to probably ask whether or not many of our traditional educational programs, whether or not they're in the military, business, or academics, really do indeed rely on and teach those kinds of critical thinking skills that we think they do, and they may not. So maybe it's more of doing what we're supposed to be doing already is maybe the way I'd answer that. Greg and Mike, can you want to chime on this one? Are those new skills for humans? I'm going to be a bit of a curmudgeon here and think of, again, going back to this theory of mind, I think We are such a social species. I think we have this theory of mind built in over millions of years that we expect another human to behave kind of like we do. And when we're beset with pathological people or sociopaths, we don't even know how to deal with it. And I think for these systems to be accepted, they're going to have to become more like us rather than us figuring out them hardwiring to deal with it. Now, that's not my curmudgeonly part. What my curmudgeonly part has to do with DOD's approach to this, and I have a quote here, it's one of their ethical principles that was kind of designed by the Defense Innovation Board and signed off by whichever sub-death we had at the time. The ethical principle for AI, call for traceability, I'm going to quote this, the department's AI capabilities will be developed and deployed such that relevant personnel, that's the key phrase here, possess an appropriate understanding of the technology, development processes, and operational methods applicable to AI capabilities, including with transparent and auditable methodologies, data sources, and design procedure and documentation. So here I've got a pilot or an army guy firing a smart missile, and they're supposed to know all this stuff. And given that PhD researchers at DeepMind still don't know where some of those go moves came from, we're going to expect some PFC to understand what data set was used to train this and what what this thing. So I don't think that's going to go anywhere. And I think 
really it's going to go the other direction. The demand is going to be, I need systems that believe behave like humans. That's an interesting insight about that. Mike, do you agree? Are we designing AI to our image? I think we are. I think, you know, and Greg said this, right? The key phrase in what he just read was relevant personnel. And I think, you know, how much that pilot or that infantry person at the end of a long chain of system development, what they're the relevant personnel for versus all the others in that chain is going to be very interesting, right? You can't expect a pilot, for example, to know every aspect of the system. And if you're building a system that requires that, you're building the system wrong, I would say. You can leverage this stuff we are all already know about how to work with other humans and take advantage of that. Ideally, and I think this perfect world is not going to exist, but you know, ideally, you could leverage a lot of stuff people already know about how to work with others and not have to require them to learn a whole new skill set. But you know, that ideal case is I don't think ever going to be 100% achievable. And you know, the relevant personnel are going to have to learn some new things. The question is, can you keep that to a manageable level given everything else they already need to know to do the job they're relevant for? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting point about moving towards something that, you know, seems more human-like or is human understandable as a way to kind of deal with this. And, you know, I'd point out that within the currently existing leader requirements model for the Army, one of the attributes we want people to have is interpersonal tact. And the reason why that's in there is in part because you have to know how to adapt to other kinds of folks. So that's not a new attribute. It's an existing attribute. In this case, that interpersonal tact might be with respect to some kind of artificial intelligence. But nevertheless, it's the same problem. And I'd add that what makes interpersonal tact hard is to have that model of the other individual that guides your adaptation towards it, which is really the problem we're talking about here. Yes. I think that to add to that, I can share a personal experience. One of the very first edition of this podcast was actually with an artificial intelligence called Charlie that was developed by uh, one of my teams. And in the process of learning to interview Charlie, I did a lot of this, how do you call that? Interpersonal tact, you know, empathy in the true sense of the word empathy to try to understand the others. It's the same, but it's also fundamentally different. The same way my ability to interview Jennifer or Mary or John is different because I have a different mental model in the sense of each one of these individuals. Then I had Charlie, which is an AI, but my adaptation was different. The way I adapted to Charlie to ask her, let's she in that case, a question so that she'll give me a decent answer and not some stupid answer. It's different because you could sense that, that the stuff that was coming back was not human. Sometimes it was brilliant and insightful, even beyond what the human would have answered. And sometimes it was pretty pedestrian. And that kind of variability is not expected from most humans. And I know you're going to make a joke that you know some people like that, but no, we are pretty consistent in a sense. And therefore that interpersonal tact, I think, goes into a Another level of difficulty, let's put it this way, when you deal with artificial intelligence. So, so far we've explored a question about what we call about learning to learn together 
And the together has to do with this notion of teaming, in a sense, with a technology that is intelligent, that is adaptive, that is learning. I want to explore whether or not there is here an opportunity for true synergy or is just, in a sense, a marriage of convenience. It's just something that is out there and we better deal with it because it's inevitable. Or there is something very optimistic about those new possibilities, about transforming uh, the very nature of human work, whether it's in the military or in business or in the workplace. So my question for each one of you is, where do you believe are the low-hanging fruit? Where do you believe this notion of really understanding and designing and testing and experimenting with human AI teaming or or human augmentation with AI, where is it the most promising? Is it in defense, an area that all of us know quite well? Is that in healthcare? Is it in transportation, perhaps even in education? Can you just speculate about it? But you have to predict the next 10 years, where is that going to make a big difference? Pick one domain and expand on it. Well, I can jump in and, you know, stealing something from Mike. But I think he pointed out something I think pretty interesting earlier, I think it was Mike, maybe it was Greg, but there's a difference between sort of high consequence environments and low consequence environments. And so, you know, the example I believe that was used earlier is if Netflix recommends a movie to you and it stinks, so what? So the barrier to entry is very, very low. And I think that's an interesting way to think about it, right? In terms of where you might see the biggest impact maybe in some areas where even already, it's really not that consequential. Now, as we push into the kinds of domains that some of us work in with the defense and stuff like that, it could be, you know, very consequential and maybe call for us to be more conservative. The problem with that's going to be that, you know, quote unquote, the enemy will have a vote. And so the timelines of these things may not be fully in our control in the sense that, you know, you may be surprised about where some of the different domains really make a lot of headway out of necessity. I see. And when you say the enemy has a vote, can you expand on that a little bit, what you meant by that? So if we think about, you know, speed of operations being very important, and this is an example that Greg talked about earlier, I would start there. Given the amount of information coming at us, given the speed at which the enemy would be moving, we will be put in a position where we have to be faster and faster, or at least find a way to contend with that. And so that's what I mean by, in this case, the enemy will have a vote because some of these things may cause us to react in different ways. Greg, Mike, you want to venture a prediction on a domain that you either like or you're familiar with? I'm happy to. So I think consequences, the size of the consequences is really going to be a driver. I think the size of the organization is another driver. I really struggle with what DOD is going to be doing in terms of accepting and bringing in AI. I listened to Eric Schmidt at AFA a couple of days ago. We rate a whole bunch of four stars that were sitting in front of them saying that it's clear that you can't get your bureaucracy to bring in AI directly. So what you've got to do is have a whole bunch of little pockets of 50 people distributed among your 3 million people to do that. And that's happening now. But how that actually gets embedded into larger scale systems is a big question. So I'm saying these are probably not where things are going to happen. I think that they're going to be happening in more individualized, distributed places. And you think about autonomous vehicles, right? I mean, there's one person in their car. There was really no attempt to set a network of such cars around there, even though now you have Tesla vehicle A telling vehicle B that there's a pothole somewhere. 
the networking of this is happening, but that wasn't the initial, certainly wasn't the Dharma challenge at all. It's just a much more simple 1v1 or one with one team. So I think those kinds of applications are more likely to happen than the large bureaucracy, even though an interoperation center would be hugely improved if we apply some of these approaches to that. So the grave consequences actually is not an acceleration proposition for implementing AI. The bigger the consequences, the more time it will take for AI to be thoughtfully integrated. You're more likely to see it in individual aircraft than in uh, SAC headquarters in uh, office. I certainly agree that the consequences is going to be a big driver. Another driver I think about is what is the alternative to AI? So you look at something, a domain like transportation, right? The alternative to AI is a human driver. There are millions of human drivers out there in the world. And, you know, the cost of a human driver isn't super high. You can look at Uber and say that, you know, Uber is just an automated AI company where they have, you know, a human in the loop doing the job of the eventual future AI. Uber business model maybe works because they can get those human drivers pretty cost-effectively. And so in transportation, you need to build an AI that's more cost-effective than a human driver. And that's going to be a challenge. Another area I look at is the availability of knowledge. AI systems, they need knowledge, whether it's a big labeled training set they can learn from or a human who can teach them how to do something. The knowledge has to be there. And I think that to me is a real challenge in the defense domain is, you know, we have a lot of doctrine and stuff, but it's very expensive to go out and conduct these large military operations to gather the knowledge. And a lot of this is such a dynamic domain with so much on the fly decision making that I worry about where all that knowledge is going to come from. So then I look at healthcare, right? Healthcare, the alternative is a trained medical professional, which are very expensive to create and in low supply. So the alternative to AI is hard to get. There's a lot of knowledge out there. That's an area that I think is ripe. The challenge, of course, is those are very high consequence decisions. And so the availability of knowledge and the inavailability of a good alternative flies in the face of the fact that it's high consequence decisions. But, you know, I think certain areas of healthcare, especially if it's a decision that a human can then check, is an area that I do think is primed for a big impact. Now, if you take impact in a slightly different direction and say, where is the introduction of AI going to have an impact on society? If AI takes over the transportation domain and, you know, tens of millions of people are out of a job as a result of that, every truck driver, every taxi driver are out of a job, that's going to be a huge social problem for the world created by AI. And that's a whole nother area of problem, but I think that's an impact potentially in the negative sense that AI could have that might be very disruptive. 